Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, and this is Branko Miletic and Stephanie Stefanovic at the Front Design 2019 Commercial Design event. And today we have a special guest with us, Amanda Stenaway from Woods Bagot, to talk to us about workplace design, um, co-design, agile workplaces, and all things that are changing in the world of workplace design. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, Amanda Stenaway from Woods Bagot. How are you finding Front? It's fantastic, and it's really nice to see a great range of my peers and also a whole heap of people I've known for many, many years. So it's always a great place to catch up and see new product, watch things displayed and see what the industry is looking at and innovating. Mm. So tell me about Agile Workplace Design. Uh, well, Agile Workplaces, what does it actually mean? I mean, firstly... I think the word agile is used a lot across the industry and it can mean many things to many clients. So the one thing that we do whenever we're working with any client is define what agile means. And agile means to some people um, being able to move around and have a, a variety of different spaces. But to others, um, as this idea of agile methodologies, which is actually a project management kind of methodology, has come across Agile methodologies means a little bit more around um, kind of agile work methods, which are around the tech industry, brainstorming, lots of whiteboarding. So you do actually have to go back in and actually define what that is. I think I've spent a lot of time using various different words from flexible, dynamic, agile, activity-based working, and they kind of get a little bit muddled up. And I think the one thing that the industry needs to get very clear with, with their clients and with other people is actually what is the definition particularly for each client. And openly and honestly, it changes for every client. So I think it's a really, it's quite a complex question, primarily because everyone has a different definition of it. Can I ask the uptake? In some industries, they'd be, a lot, they'd be more open to others. Am I, is that, am I right to assume that? I think, look, it's about 10 years since um, the first activity-based working project that I did in Australia was 10 years ago with, with Shelley Street with Clive Wilkinson. And I think certainly... Um, the take-up from there has been substantial in financial interest industries. It's been... Um, well, why is that? Um, drive for efficiency, drive for talent. Also, rea the reality says that um, the way we work and the, the typologies of work in terms of we're running global businesses that actually work on different time frames, we're running a multitude of different ways of work, that the need for the physical office space, I believe, is absolutely still there but actually how we use it and if you know anything about office space it's between 40 to 60 percent utilized oh really so when you're looking at somewhere like sydney where the median rent is 1200 a square meter and it's it's 40 percent vacant from nine to five you look at its occupancy over its whole life because you're, you're paying for every minute of every day of every year <laughs> pretty okay. bad so I think look, it is really there's lots of things and I, be I believe wholly in the fact that um, we are all kind of drawn to place so some of the drives to actually change the way of work comes about getting workplace energy because a lot of the workplaces we go into are kind of too deathly quiet they're yeah. actually they feel they've got no energy and the reality is if we can work anywhere anytime I'm a great example of that I work probably more in an airport lounge or on a plane than I do anywhere else. Okay. Um, I think you have to have energy in a, in a workplace. You have to go in and it has to feel like something's going on, people are doing things. So a lot of the changes in the way that we work have come about from a multiple of different places. And I think to answer it that in a binary way is probably wrong. It's kind of there's a, a, a number of fronts around culture, cost, 
and kind of just the driving, na- the, the way that we work that is actually driving the way that people have started to take up space. That, that's actually interesting. So you mentioned airport lounges. Okay, so so I read somewhere, I think, I think Steph, you, you, you sent me the article, The Rise of the Coffers. The Coffers, yep. The Coffers. So is that like... The airport lounge, the coffers, the... Is it, is it really happening? Yeah. I think it does for a multitude of different people. And look, openly, I tell a story that I find it really hard to be empathetic to a grown man who cries on me because he doesn't have an office anymore because I've never had one. I've worked for 25 years and I don't have one. So sometimes I'm in workplace and doing change and working on strategy. And some of the things that people argue for, I don't kind of understand because I've lived 25 years in open plan. A lot of the major organisations, the CEO doesn't have a dedicated space. Yes, we might give him an on-demand work, uh, you know, meeting room. He might have a series of spaces that he shares with his leadership team. But ultimately, the philosophy of a business in this day and age is being as connected as they can be to the employee and actually having a series of spaces then to go away from them. And I think the idea that the CEO sits on the top floor and kind of proceeds over you know, ideas or the organisation is actually a really lost one. So the coffers for me is real. People work anywhere, anytime. Um, I would argue that you can work as effectively almost anywhere as long as you have the right tools and you're capable. Like, and I think some people, certainly the generation that I've been brought up in, 25 years of working in open plan, for me, um, I can work anywhere, anytime. The only thing I can't control is any other human. You've, um, uh, you know, designed with some pretty big companies that I've seen. Yep. Um, you know, some, some place called Google, never heard of it. Um, Allianz and whatnot. So, to get onto Google and the, the Facebooks and whatnot, is, is, uh, is part of this change driven by a generation slash a, techno- a technology type company change? Is that, is that, is that part, of the, part of the change? The technology companies um, are definitely driving the way that we look at amenity in workplace. They provide more for their staff than you could probably ever want. Um, They give a lot more space than someone like a bank. So somewhere like the banks in Australia run between 10 and 12 square metres. Someone like Google runs at about 16 square metres per person. And that's really because you get a desk, you get a space, you get a seat in an eating space, you get... Um, some space in kind of a relaxed space. And so they they give this suite of things. They get three meals a day. So certainly they're driving a cultural change in that there is a lot of amenity that goes in as part of a a technology workplace. One can argue that is for an attraction and retention of talent. And they've kind of set the bar really high. It's really hard to move from there. And so Google probably set that. It's now 20 years old. They set it about 20 years ago with Larry Page having the philosophy that, you know, people that eat together create together. And he's continued that. At three, you know, Googlers get three meals a day. Um, and they, they, you come out and sit together and eat every day. And that is in the effort to drive collaboration. And I think certainly Facebook, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Alassian, all of them have a fairly similar culture. And I think it makes it really difficult for some of the other businesses we work for because now they're all trying to attract and retain the same talent. And I think if you're really open, the workforce has changed quite dramatically towards tech. So someone like ComBank, who we work for, they consider themselves a tech company as much as they consider themselves a bank. They have a workforce that has lots and lots of tech people. And so the way that, you know, the way that um, the techs have impacted on that is they've really changed the demographic of worker and we're all kind of chasing the same talent. 
So I'd rather have the budget of Google than some of the other companies we work for because they have much better uh, ability to attract and retain talent based on amenity and what they give their staff. Um, will there be a trickle-down effect to other companies in terms of what, what employees will expect? I mean, is that almost unstoppable if you want to have at least half-decent talent? I think it probably is unstoppable. I think it, the reality is that a lot of other companies don't have the bank balance of any of those others. So it's a really hard war on talent. So I think what you want to look at and you have to be realistic about is what other cultural attributes can you have in smaller organisations that are faster, closer, different. And I think everyone will try and put their own spin on it. And it, it, it talks about how clearly space and culture are linked in an organisation. And if I think of the change in the the industry over the last 15 years, it really is our ability to kind of link culture and space together. I think before, you know, people really didn't think about how the office and the amenity and the things that we created actually linked to the culture and also to the performance of the organisation. I think that's now very pervasively clear across pretty much every type of business that we work for. Well, speaking about um, company culture, uh, Branko and I were talking a bit about this earlier. So is it the design that fuels the culture change or is it the cultural change that fuels the design that's needed for that, that culture? I think they're normally a combination of both and they go both ways and it, it just depends on which one's leading. I would say that they always need a seat at the table for success. Um, but we've had... Uh, We've done projects where they've helped to lead cultural change and they've used it as an enabler. And the other way around, we have had a really, really big cultural change that they know and then we'll create the physical space to try and drive those behaviours. So I think they happen, I'd like to say they happen naturally together, but it is actually a really overt change. And I think, um, I always say the words that my dad always wonders why the girl who paints the colour on the walls has a speed dial to a CEO. And I do believe that the power of design in workplace change, has changed a lot in the last 10 years. And I, you know, I do think that people probably laugh about why I get flown around the world as a girl who, in their mind, is an interior designer, paints colour. It's more about the strategic value of design. And I, we still have a long way to go as an industry to heighten that. But I think we've definitely managed over the years of actually working very well with business, understanding business drivers and therefore converting much big, better value for our, our companies or the people that we work for through design. So you've talked a bit about open plan offices, you've worked open plan for a really long time um, and so that's become really common. Um, how do you deal with people in a workspace that have different working styles like there are some people that, that really thrive in an open plan environment they love you know they want to hear music lots of talking communication then there are other people that you know they like that more traditional style they need quiet to focus things like that how do you deal with all that in the same workplace or are there certain industries where you know you will design a certain way because people are more you know need to have more quiet and more focus and then others like for, for example a media environment might be more open is, is that the case? I think in all environments, I think the clear thing to put on the table is that no matter what type of job you do, you need focus and collaboration. Everyone needs some version of focus and and it's generally, when you're working with any business, it's identifying the work styles, the legitimate work styles, and then there's just personality. And the reality is that you need a complement and a diversity of space. 
I would argue that the work that all of us or the industry has done, we probably underwetted quiet um, for some industries. And the question is, what is the office of the future for? And I think, like, everyone drives around collaboration. I think you have to always put the complement of quiet there because focus is actually paramount for certain types of jobs. The easiest example I can give you is Google is half sales, half engineers. Reality says that they are two different typologies and they're grossly different. You know, someone who's writing code takes 45 minutes to get their brain into a flow. Break it, it's money, it's time. And and you could say that of creative industries or writers. Um, People get better at doing it in open plan because they get good. I always say the only person you can't control is the person that, you know, I joke in my team and they hate it. But, you know, people will go, can I ask you a question? And I'll say you already have. So I can't control them. I can kind of, we joke, we have a hat that has a swear word on it. (laughs) But it's basically you have to try and overtly tell other people behavior. So I think certainly in all workplace, you need a diversity of space and a complement of both collaborative and quiet. Um, and quiet can be a variety of different things. It can be connected, but has an overt behavioural overlay. And I think the reality is we, you, we're good at it when we're in university. We'd go to the library, we'd be quiet. We'd understood that behaviour and we respected it. Most of organisations, if we create a quiet space in a library, um, people come bowling in pretty much. So it's just trying to work through those things. And I think the complement is, um, and I find it really hard to be um, highly objective about it because I've never sat in a box, but I'm pretty sure if I sat in an office, I'd spend half the time opening the door, asking everyone outside what was going on or that I'd be a little bit bored. So people will always argue productivity is diminished in open plan. I would argue that productivity potentially is diminished in offices for some people and for some things. So I think the reality is the only way to design in the future is one size does not fit all but giving everyone the compliment and the ability to make choice that is good for their outcome. Um, I think Steph and I were talking earlier. Uh, I don't even know what it was, but apparently it's a workplace that... Oh, it was it was High Page. It's the High Page yes, Sydney office. That's right. uh, I think last year they opened a new one. Um, they've designed it to look like your home. You know, you've got little trinkets and it's supposed to be really comfortable yeah. and, you know, so nice it's like, relaxing it's like a atmosphere. Place. Yeah. Is that... Is that a thing in Australia? I mean, I mean, not so much overseas, but is that a thing? And and where would that be successful, and why? It is a pervasive trend, and it's probably asked for by about half of our clients. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of what I would say, the humanization of work. So, work in its previous form was homogenized. Um, so. I took great delight in my years of working in, I will not name the firm actually, in you know, like in that kind of minimalist of every, the carpet was grey, the desks were white, the chairs were black and the uniformity of it all. So the homogenous design was probably considered the height of design in the okay. kind of minimalist age and, uh, you know, certainly the one where I started designing. It's clear that that's not very human. It's a little bit robotic. Um, we get accused. I have my, one of my great delights is a lawyer that I worked for who was from Google in Singapore and her um, way of telling us about how we design a workplace, she called it seas of white sadness. I think she like stabbed me in the heart that day. Um, but I do, I do think that the, the pervasive trend of the anti-office is around trying to humanise the workplace, recognising that it's still work. 
Um, but if you look at the way that we work or any of the kind of co-working spaces are designing their spaces, they're incredibly way more luxe um, or they're kind of way less homogenous. They're definitely about warmer materials and much smaller spaces that are, have got a lot more personality than the office of 1990 or early 2000s has. So certainly a pervasive trend. I would think it's, it is actually a worldwide trend. It's not an Australian trend. Okay. Um, and that's really saying that we're trying to understand that we want people to be connected to place. And I think people are recognising the value of place in performance. And unfortunately, to date, we haven't had a really great way of measuring performance in workplace. It's still the kind of holy grail of what we do. Um, we know what we can get engagement scores, but we can't really say, hey, that space and made Amanda perform better. Uh, what are you working on at the moment that you can actually mention? Um, I'm working on a project for a tech company, in, a very large project for a tech company in Singapore. So I'm living there about 50% of the time. Um, a lot of work in Sydney for the New South Wales government um, as part of their decentralisation and their move out to Parramatta. We're doing about 150,000 square metres for them out there. So that's pretty interesting and challenging watching a pretty conservative workforce move towards a new way of work and the, and the change that comes with that. Um, and then some work uh, around the financial industries that we always do, a bit of work with lawyers. So a, a diversity of work, but certainly for us also working on a number of big commercial towers. So making sure that design comes from the inside out. My passion, which is to make sure that um, architects create spaces that are great for humans and actually just not about architecture. Mm, interesting. Well, that was actually both fascinating and depressing because on Monday, Steph and I are going to go into our boss and say, we want to have the anti-workplace. I want to No have more white seas of sadness. No yeah. more white seas of sadness. Exactly, it, Steph. You can try it. It's pretty emotional, white seas of sadness. <laughs> it kind of stabs you in the heart. It's, it <laughs> certainly does. Amanda Stanaway, thank you very much for your time. Uh, and look, we, um, we hope to talk to you again and, and you hope you enjoy Front Design 2019. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design. Until next time, goodbye.